Welcome to Technovation, a weekly conversation with people who are shaping the technology landscape. I'm Peter High, president of Meta Strategy, advisor to technology executives, Forbes columnist, book author, and your host. Each episode of Technovation features insights from top executives and thought leaders at the intersection of business, technology, and innovation. If you like what you hear, we'd be grateful if you give us a rating on iTunes or through whatever other source you use for podcasts. And please subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Thank you. My guest today is Sharon Mandel. Sharon's the Chief Information Officer of Juniper, a $4.5 billion revenue provider of high-performance networking and cybersecurity solutions to service providers, enterprise companies, and public sector organizations. In this role, Sharon's responsible for much of the application landscape of the company, which includes typical ERP, human resources, CRM, and integration architecture. Prior to joining Juniper, Sharon was the CIO of Tipco Software. In this interview, we discuss the importance of being in a company whose products you believe in, understand, and can talk credibly about, and how Sharon's background as a software engineer helps her as a CIO. We discuss how the distinction between what goes on inside the walls of a company and how the product is delivered is becoming increasingly blurred. We also cover her decision to get an MBA to better understand how business people think and how Juniper uses the cloud and artificial intelligence. Lastly, we discuss how Juniper has responded to the pandemic, the measures it's taken to keep its employees safe, Sharon's experience being onboarded during the pandemic, and a variety of other topics. I wanted to share a quick message from our sponsor, Sykes. Sykes is a leading provider of multi-channel demand generation and customer engagement services, helping Global 2000 companies enhance touch points at every stage of the customer journey. To share some perspectives, I'll briefly turn it over to Ian Barkin, the company's chief strategy and marketing officer. Customers don't want and don't deserve a new normal. They deserve and want a better normal. At Sykes, we know this because we spend over 3 billion minutes a year listening to and serving customers of the world's leading brands. And with that much listening, you can't help but know what delights, what infuriates, and what drives customer behaviors and decisions. So, what is a better normal? We believe it's the delivery of a truly intelligent customer experience. The call to action has never been clearer for CIOs, CTOs, and the broader C-suite. New is not enough, and the time for tinkering has passed. The winning combination of technology, talent, and customer insight is how to create intelligent customer experiences and a truly better normal. To read more about intelligent customer experiences, check out sykes.com forward slash ICX. Thanks, Ian. And now on to our interview. Sharon Mandel, welcome to Technovation. Hi, Peter. Thank you for having me today. It's exciting oh, it's a, to be here. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, well, Sharon, you are the Chief Information Officer of Juniper, and I thought that we might uh, just begin with that very role. T- talk a bit about uh, your purview as Chief Information Officer, please. Sure. So uh, as the CIO, I'm responsible for much of the application uh, landscape of the company. So uh, typical ERP, HR, CRM, um, and the integration architecture to the applications that, as in many cases today, live out in the various departments that have to connect to that kind of core central set. Um, Obviously, at Juniper, the network is very, very important, and my team designs and manages that. And as you can imagine, we have our own global network. We don't necessarily buy that from a third party um, so that uh, we can drink our own champagne and uh, 
use our products. And kind of that leads into the third piece, which is the Juniper on Juniper program. Um, as uh, I, my team consumes and works with the engineering teams in um, supporting their labs and supporting their work, um, but then also helping customers understand how they can use our products in, in the enterprise. And I want to stick with that theme for just a moment, if we can, Sharon. That's particularly yeah. interesting since, of course, so many of your company's customers are your peers as CIOs and their teams. That must be an interesting scenario. One you've been through before, and we'll get to that, the fact that you've been a CIO of a technology company previously also. But talk a little bit about that role as um, not, not quite a salesperson, of course, but somebody who, as you say, uses your own technology and can speak as a peer to uh, some of those would-be clients, for instance, or existing clients, as the case may be, and act as an advocate in that way as well. Can you talk a bit about that role, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, you speak to many CIOs and, you know, we are um, sold to all the time by the account executives of our various vendors and partners. And we get to see things um, as those companies want to show those products through their eyes. But I think all of us want to have closer touch to a more real world experience. Uh, and so I, I find that you know, if if I, you know, in my previous role or here, get on the phone with a customer and I can tell them what the experience is like from my position, having had hands on it, and um, you know, your credibility is also on the line. So you you know, you develop trust with your network, so they know that you're not gonna. Um, tell them something that, you know, is flatly untrue because you're going to have to look them in the eye afterwards and that's going to impact your reputation. So I think that, you know, it's really important to be in a company whose products you believe in and, and, and understand and that you can talk credibly about them. And I think we all know there's very few products that are, that are perfect. It's kind of how does that work for you and what are the strengths that, that your particular product brings in enabling how other people do their work. That's great. Thank you for that overview. Uh, I alluded a moment ago that you've been a, a CIO of technology company, companies multiple times over prior to Juniper at TIBCO and at Harmonic before that. Um, I, I'd be curious as you can appreciate, of course, that many of your peers uh, work in organizations where the preponderance of technology talent is in the IT department, not so in the companies I've just named, including your current, uh, your current employer. And therefore, you have, uh, there's tech resources littered throughout the entire company. And so I'm curious, um, can you talk a bit about some of the ways in which you see the IT department differentiating itself, as I say, in a sea of engineering, computer science, technical talent? Yeah. Um, so I, I will often describe the CIO role as sort of being the product manager for how the company operates and how it works, right? You're bringing technology to bear on the business operations, whether that's um, serving the employee stakeholder group or helping create the customer experience for the things that surround the product, which is, you know, often as important as the product itself, right? So um, especially today in the cloud and kind of AI driven world where um, you want to create a seamless experience from purchasing through the um, delivery and then deployment. And, and you don't want that to be kind of 
feeling very different as you move from one stage of your experience of a product to another. So that's, you know, tying all of that together is very different than what engineers typically do in building a product with a specific set of features that they're delivering to the customer through through their interface. So um, I think that today, uh, I, I think my background, because I started out as a software engineer, helps me kind of navigate that because those two worlds are coming together. And the distinction between what goes on inside the walls of a company and how the product is delivered is increasingly blurred. And so being able to talk to the engineers, understand how those two things are coming together, and at the same time, turn around and talk to the business who may not speak all of the technical language and have their perspectives brought into it is, is key. And what's unique about being the CIO in a technology company. Yeah. You also have a, some interesting other uh, stops in your and, and, and background points. You have an MBA from the University of Chicago and thus had sort of that broader management, finance, accounting, all those sorts of disciplines one gets uh, in an MBA program. You've run a business. You've helped to run a business before. And so I would imagine you probably also have a little bit of a different orientation when it comes to what a CIO can do. And I hear it a little bit, even just in the beginning of your response and saying that you're the, the product, uh, running the product, if you will, in some ways, in your own way. Um, talk a little bit about how some of those experiences have colored uh, the way in which you approach the CIO role. Sure. Um, well, you know, I, I think you know that I started out as a software engineer first, and um, and I sort of found my way into the CIO role by by accident or through an evolution. Um, I I was building product and thinking about uh, customer experience, but then um, I was often building things that touch the customer through a support organization. So it was a product for our customers to engage with support at Dun & Bradstreet Software. And then I went to work on my own company. And when I did that, my, my partner um, developed all the software and I ran the business. And suddenly I, I found I needed a different set of skills. And then when I found myself in a similar role in a much larger organization, um, while my business was very small, some of the decisions didn't make sense. So, you know, I felt like in order to um, have the best judgment of how to apply technology to the business problems I was solving, getting a deeper grounding in how business people make their decisions was essential. So I kind of shifted my attention from at one point, you know, being at Georgia Tech, working on parallel compilers to um, really understanding how does how does a CFO think about something? How does, you know, the, the service department or a general manager of a business line, how do they think about things so that I could look at technology with a new set of eyes and a new light to, to apply that in the best way? That's excellent. Um, appreciate that overview. I know that uh, you've also mentioned that you're in the process of helping the company drive towards an artificial intelligence-driven uh, set of capabilities, an enterprise that's AI-focused as well, um, and, and also making it more software and services-oriented. Or, uh, can, you, can you talk a bit about some of that transformation activity that you've been leading? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, that was one of the things that was really exciting to me about coming to Juniper was um, the message of um, the self-driving network. So, you know, I've I, as I've watched um, the tremendous collection of data um, happen in the enterprise and um, I, I, and and the analytics that can be done against that, I keep asking myself, why do I have to make all of these decisions? Why why isn't the technology figuring out some of the things that are well worn, well tread problems um, come you know before me? Why 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 isn't that happening? And Juniper with its products um, has made you know a very conscious set of design decisions and additions of telemetry and data gathering in order to take the, the complexity out of the work and, and eliminate the mundane and not have people answer the same question that's been answered before them. So, um, you know, the MIST product is, is, is super exciting and we're kind of taking all of those principles that are in our AI-driven um, Marvis engine and we're trying to apply those back into the rest of our network products um, to, to be able to scale, I, I think, as you know, the kind of surface area of IT just keeps expanding, both geographically and with the number and scale of the devices. There's no way people will be able to keep up with that. And there's no reason we should all solve the same problems the other ones have before. So by using cloud and using AI, we can now kind of take our valuable resources and point them at you know, more strategic areas of work. And that's what's exciting about what AI brings and, and I think what Juniper is doing to the network. Well, as you, as you allude to, there's there there are um, a lot of changes afoot, uh, some of them driven by the, 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 the fact that so many of us have been in quarantine for the greater part of the year as a, as a result of the, the health crisis and, and pandemic. Um, talk a bit about some of the work that you're doing as a result of that uh, in order to create safe environments in the office. And uh, and I'm curious also, once we, and hopefully sooner rather than later, once we re uh, reach some sort of new normal, um, what sorts of, what do you think we've learned from this period that's likely to actually continue as a result of maybe some of the silver linings of this experience? Yeah, so... Um well, I think, you know, you've heard many of the stories. We've all had to expand our network capacity, double time on our security infrastructures, um, provide, you know, virtual access tools in places to the world that maybe we were used to working more on-prem to enable them to access the resources we, we used to come, come in for. But, um, but I think, you know, Juniper's had the ability to go a step beyond that and actually apply its technology to things like um, pop-up testing centers where we could offer um, free Wi-Fi um, equipment and connectivity um, to those places that had to build something super, super quickly and be super responsive um, as they were facing the challenges of, of scaling at unprecedented rates um, in a very unexpected scenario. Um, also in our office, so I think, you know, I onboarded at Juniper during the pandemic. So I haven't had your traditional go into the office and meet my entire team and travel the world to the various locations and, and had the opportunity 
to work with them. So it, it's been a very different experience for me. But on the few occasions when I've had to go to the office, I, I feel very safe because we've been able to um, take our technology, um, which already had an understanding of um, Bluetooth low energy and combine beacons onto our badges. And I know when I go into the office, um, the technology is there to recognize when there's too many people too close together and send an alert um, and feel very confident that when we do have to have people working in our labs or, or working together, we can do that in a way that always puts the employee first and, and keeping their safety safety in mind. So it's been exciting. On the other hand, there's challenges, certainly, right? Um, I I do miss those moments where, you know, you're walking around and you can see people over and over again, and, and the world has become much more explicit, right? You don't have those casual conversations. And I think it's often in those moments that you really get to know one another. Um, you build trust and relationships. So while the technology, you know, has come so far that you and I can sit here on a Zoom and have this kind of conversation and not have to be in the same place together, and we can do quality, productive work together, um, you still depend on relationships and trusts to get things done. And so we have to make sure we don't lose that as we go into what will probably, I, I believe that the, you know, when it's safe again, the workplace experience will return, but it may not return every single day for every single person. And we're going to have to accommodate that more. Right. And, um, and, and figure out how we create those. I think they call them, you know, keeping the weak ties strong <laughs> between people. I like that. Uh, you know, the, the, it also occurs to me, uh, Sharon, as somebody who onboarded during the time of quarantine, <laughs> that this is a very unusual uh, time for you. I, I have to imagine one of the more, uh, if not the most unusual uh, new experience for you uh, among the companies that you've worked for. Uh, talk a bit about that. I, I you know, sometimes I, I, I think it's important for us to recognize, as you have now, the uh, kind of a first first person uh, perspective on this for others who might come in your wake, especially people who might report to you or be on your team. More generally speaking, about you know, how do you make up for the lack of shaking one's hand and 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 feeling the culture by being immersed in one's office of you know the casual lunch or coffee or meeting by the elevators that just happens. Uh, you know, uh, it happens naturally um, it, when one's in the same office with others. Talk a little bit about that experience and some of the learnings of that for you. Yeah. So I think that probably for the first 60 days, I didn't notice that much that it wasn't there because I had so many meetings and so many introductions being made for me that, you know, my days were quite full. I was absorbing a lot of information about how the company worked. But right around that mark, I really kind of noticed something was was different. And I, I think that I'm now finding myself trying to create more of those casual moments, right? So um, as we have projects go live, you know, as always, you have the recognition at the quarterly meeting and you have the big thank you notes that go around on you know, teams or an email. But now what I'm doing is I'm turning that around and saying, okay, let the people who did the work present, you know, 
a project to me. And we're setting things up like that. Um, and I think, you know, we, we're trying to figure out how to set up, um, again, without um, coming together physically and putting people in jeopardy, some smaller group kind of casual meetings where we can just chat and it doesn't really have a business agenda. Um, but it is, it is very, very different. So I feel I know a lot of what's going on and maybe um, still learning who I'm going to, you know, who and how I'm going to engage them in getting my agenda, you know, moved forward, right? Because they don't get to hear from me every day the way I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably noisy. So, you know, if I'm in the office <laughs> or if I'm visiting, people usually know I'm there and I try to be very connected and very open and very transparent. Um, I don't like to have people feel like because I'm an executive, they, they can't have a conversation with me. So we're getting there. It just seems to take a little more time. And, yeah, it makes and, sense. and more, more true conscious effort on my part, um, where before it just kind of happened naturally for me, I have to think about it and make it happen. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, good to be planful in that way and deliberate in that way as well. Um, I wanted to also ask you, Sharon, uh, as you look to the future, what are some technology trends that particularly excite you? We've talked about a couple already, but curious, uh, you know, what, what else comes to mind as you contemplate your roadmap to the future? Yeah, I, I think um, it's, you know, again, continuing down um, how we take more advantage of our own data inside the company um, and, and bring AI or automation from that. Um, so uh, we're, you know, doing work with RPA and, and starting to expand upon that. I think that there's plenty more opportunity for us to... To, to look at those things. Um, and I think, uh, you know, bringing some of that engineering experience uh, around AI and DevOps uh, back into IT, you know, we're still using some fairly classic um, applications that, that are going through their own transformation. And so we certainly have people who are further in ahead in, in thinking towards the way engineers are building products today, but yet we still have, you know, people who are used to using things that were built in a different generation and we have to bring them along um, to this kind of new AI DevOps, very agile world. Um, and, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to make my team you know, in IT, I think we have all these principles that we use to manage ourselves well, but I constantly try to push my people to think about the customer. And then it's our job to make the technology easier for us to manage. <laughs> it's not the, it's not our client's job to make decisions about the technology they use. So it's easy for us to run. And I think that that's um, something you constantly have to remind um, IT people to do. Well, Sharon, uh, Sharon Mandel, thank you so much for a wonderful conversation. It's great to get your perspectives on your, your still relatively in the grand scheme of things new role, uh, but also to get a little bit of your perspective as a seasoned technology executive across a number of organizations. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. It's been a nice conversation. Sure. Thank you. And thank you for having me again. It was really fun. Thanks for tuning in. Please join me on Monday when my guest will be Anil Cherian, the Executive Vice President of Strategy and Technology at Cognizant.